This is the ERP Advisor. The ERP Advisor's Overview of Unit 4. Thank you for joining us today. This summer, ERP Advisors Group is spotlighting the most prominent vendors in the ERP software market. Today, we will be discussing Unit 4's offerings and providing key insights into our experiences working with them. Uh, Sean Window is my guest today. Sean, thank you for joining me. Hello. Yes. So, Unit 4 has been around for quite a long time. It was established in the early 80s, if I remember correctly from the research that was given to me. Um, It's a large platform with a wide variety of offerings, um, such as financial management, accounting, ERP, HCM, FP&A, just to name a few. Can you um, talk to us a little bit about Unit 4 and who they are and what they do? Sure, I definitely can. Um, first off, you need to get some more guests, girl, because yeah. I'm like your only guest. You need some more friends. No. <laughs> no. You are our expert, our resident oh, expert. Goodness. We wouldn't want anyone else. Oh, sure. thank you. That's yes. really sweet thank of you. you. We'll, 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 as we get into the fall season and everybody's yes. back from their holidays on vacation, I don't know. We'll definitely do some more peeps. But this for is sure. great. And it's really been a good series for sure. Too. Yes. Hopefully really helpful is. to everybody to understand these vendors. Yeah. But Unit 4 specifically um, – Unit 4 is uh, probably not a vendor that a lot Mm -hmm. of people have heard of. Mm -hmm. So, again, we're honest. We're open. We usually say really good things about our vendors. That's a little secret, right? We don't – we don't – I mean, who am I or who are we to say, oh, blah, 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 right? I'm sorry. But these are hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars of of worth that these companies generate every year. So they're, but they're all different, right? And mm-hmm. that's the spirit that we're going to talk about, I think, with Unit 4 that I'm going to share some concepts on today. Yes. So you're spot on about the capability that Unit mm-hmm. 4 has. Um, and it's, it's interesting because um, the, the combination of financials, human resources management, FP&A together, you know, that stack is a nice stack of software that is really built from kind of a common platform. Mm-hmm. And um, it's unusual, right? Some of the other vendors don't provide that. There are some that do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even thinking of like Workday, um, they're, it's a little different, right? They purchased their FP&A solution. Now, I had to go back and look a little bit deeper to see sort of what Unit 4's kind of, of history was and mm-hmm. where they maybe picked up some of the apps. There was a major acquisition or integration they did with a company called Aggresso mm-hmm. several years. Um, ago, but you see this kind of platform that's evolved. And that's really the big offering of this organization is this combined stack. Right. And really kind of geared towards, um, you know, what we've seen, we think about unit four from kind of a people centric businesses. So things like higher education or nonprofit professional services, mm-hmm. um, you know, public sector, that those are areas that really like that whole stack that Unit 4 has to offer, which the other piece, too, to mention about Unit 4 that's a little unique is they're um, really headquartered um, and have a global presence, right, but headquartered in the U.K. Mm. So Sage, of course, is headquartered in the U.K. as well. But, but Unit 4 sort of brings that more international sort of vibe, frankly, to mm-hmm. the solutions. And if you have a client that has – when we have a client that has a lot of international holdings, right. they're headquartered not in the U.S. Right. I think there's a few companies in the world mm-hmm. that are not in the U.S. Right. or organizations or nonprofits or public sectors, right. but also in the U.S. as well. So right. it's really good for that kind of a, 
international kind of a global deployment that an organization is looking for that has, again, that uh, that reach globally. Right. Well, you did touch on this. I, I was going to ask you what industry specifically Unit 4, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. is a good fit for. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about um, the industries Unit 4 you is bet. a good fit for? Yeah. And, and I think that the, the key differentiator there, right, every software vendor is a little bit different on kind of where they focus. But, but again, Unit 4 is more kind of in the people-centric businesses and organizations. So <clears throat> government, nonprofit, education, sort of projects or professional services. I think that's how we sort of think about the organization. Um, and, and it's good, too, because, you know, the focus on um, even if you say engineering, architecture, construction, mm-hmm. um, professional services like management consulting firms, advertising firms, you know, that, that, that professional services projects sort of goes from a high-level vertical down to a sub-vertical, business professional services, those types of more things. More specialized. Yeah, more mm-hmm. specialized in that particular area. Really good, again, mm-hmm. on nonprofit. Um, we've talked to Unit 4 about one of our clients that um, started locally, actually up in Boulder, mm. um, and had sort of global presence, but definitely has increased their global presence and now has really increased their global presence. And the Unit 4 platform is really a unique platform in that it's built for the global focus, right? Again, a lot of other ERPs, the North American ERPs, mm-hmm. are based on the way the Americans do it. Well. That's not the way the rest of the world does it, no matter what we think, right. especially if we travel to France and try mm-hmm. to talk without speaking in French. Right. Right. You got to at least try. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you're rolling out enterprise software, it really does need to be around the, not just the number or the um, date format. Right. Mm-hmm. Of course, that has to be localized. Right. But also just um, even phrases such as trades payable and, you know, instead of AP, you know, there's different phrases that, that different geos use. And what we've seen is Unit 4 has that background and has that experience. Hmm. Well, that's good to know. So would that include currency? And, Absolutely. Um, not just date, but currency and, gosh, the terminology that they use, right? That's it. Yes. That's right. I Language. Never thought of that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's a whole thing, right? Because you have, um, you know, the the localization, it's called enterprise software. It's a lot of different factors. It's number formats. It is the currencies, currency translation rates. Mm-hmm. It's it's the language of the user experience. It's totally different, right? If mm-hmm. you have French versus German versus English versus Indian versus whatever. I mean, there's, there's so many and there's multiple languages in India, mm-hmm. right, that are going to come through or even Chinese. Uh, Mandarin and different things like that, right? Mm-hmm. That again, one of the benefits of working with a more internationally based ERP company is they're just used to that. Whereas other organizations yeah. might not necessarily be right. because they're more North American based. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, say the company is based in the United States, but has different um, offices around the world with different uh, languages, um, different currencies, what have you. Does Unit 4, is it able to adapt to each different location or is it um, strictly based on where the headquarters is? Um, yeah, good it, question. Does that make sense? It does. It okay. makes perfect sense. And the answer is yes. And and most of the ERP vendors, I don't know if we've really talked about this over the years, but it's important to, uh, to know mm. that most of the vendors – 
will support localization. Mm-hmm. That's that's the generalization of requirements. Like we have a satellite company that's going to be all over, right? right? And we have in our request information a whole section of requirements around localization, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said, number formats, right? We're working with a German company right now, and we put together a total cost of ownership. Um, well, not only needed to be in euros, but we also needed to use German formatting mm-hmm. or European formatting mm-hmm. instead of a period, we use a comma, and instead of a comma, we use a period, right? Like right. you have to replace that out. And most of the ERP systems will support that for sure, mm-hmm. right? They do a really good job with that. Most will do a really good job with translation. So you uh, you know, you know, have a, your screen, you open up your screen for even a login screen, and it says certain things in English. Okay, that's fine for you, know, you and me. Right. But if for, our, for our Spain, our Spanish-based resources, mm-hmm. that's not, right. right? It needs to be in Spanish. So there's tools that are built into most of the ERPs to just do that translation automatically. Mm-hmm. But... Here's the thing. This is this is the secret, right? That um, if most of your customers are North American based, the localization becomes a little bit of a oh by the way, right? Right? Yeah, we meet those requirements. It's fine, right? And most of the vendors give the ability to sort of customize the user experience so you can change things, right? Mm-hmm. If you have somebody who's a, a Spanish speaker who looks at the screen and says that's just stupid the way that's translated, we can just change it like with the right security. Mm-hmm. But when you work with an organization that focuses on many disparate or different um, internationally based organizations, they tend to take more responsibility to get that right, right? And and that's one of the benefits of working with a unit four is that they just think that way. That's just how they operate. Whereas some of the other vendors, again, they're yeah. like, oh, we don't need to worry about that, right? Until you have a thousand users around the world that are like, we can't use the software because we don't understand we what it says. We can't understand the language. And you can't hire, you know, someone in all these Same different language. locations that speak English, right. right? That's right. Yes. So is it more um, that each individual location would have its own um, – what is the, the localization? Localization, yeah. or is it like they would have a drop-down menu and you would pick which language mm. you needed to, to see and have it come through and translate as? Yeah, um, how does that work? It could be either yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a preference. User preferences are saved in your ERP and what language you want to see. Mm-hmm. So I think um, you know maybe when you review. What's a, what's a common time where you see that? Maybe an end-user software agreement, a EULA, end-user license agreement, or what language? Choose your language, mm-hmm. right? Or when you get an iPhone, that's right. Choose right. your language, right? right? right. It's or that, e-commerce. E-commerce, right? for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing. What's your language? You specify it. The system saves what your preference is and then shows you that experience. Throughout. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Okay. But, the, but again, the key, that, and that's the point I really want to make here, is that mo- – well, I would even say all – yeah, all of the prevalent vendors support definitely the most um, prominent um, international languages around the globe, right. for sure. Right. But, for instance, we have a client right now that has a pretty good-sized operation in Hungary. And when we went and talked to the vendors, um, they're in the food and beverage business. So when we went to the food and beverage ERP vendors and we asked, do you support Hungarian localization, Right. The answer from some of them was no, but we can build it. It's just taking the current forms and changing the language. They haven't had the need. They haven't had the that. need, right. But others said, oh, yeah, we, we've done that. Oh, mm. really? Well, that actually means you have real customers in Hungary because mm. 
Here's the other thing that, again, an internationally based ERP provides that maybe some of others don't is there's also taxation requirements. Oh, right. Which can be a nightmare. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's maybe it's not a nightmare. It's sort of like, you know, it's like a very challenging child. They're not a nightmare, but they're challenging, very, very challenging. Right. Um, but seriously, where you have to build your system has to integrate with some of the um, taxation agencies in some of these countries. So, and not just, oh, here, it's our tax return. No, it's like Mm -mm. these are the sales that we made in this period. For each individual transaction, right? Each individual transaction, Mm -hmm. right? Now, it can be summarized and sent over, but the governments in some some countries, that's what they do. That's That's just how it works. So, so that's that's super good. Well, can we talk a little bit about um, what kind of partner ecosystem Unit 4 has? Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting partnership um, that, that that Unit Four has. Um, again, think more globally. When we anytime, like even even I'm on Unit Four's um, page, uh, their homepage, and I just realized it says languages hmm. on the t- upper right, which is quite normal. But they have like nine languages listed. Oh wow, Oracle's doesn't. Really? Just saying. Now that doesn't say that Oracle doesn't support it. I know right, they right, support right, it, right. but right there alone, you start to Shows see you. right. Their versatility. Their versatility. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. looking at – they know their prospects are coming from um, really, you know, all over the world here. So um, so same thing with the partners. That's what I was going to get to was their their capability is sort of, again, think more on a global basis, partners located throughout the world, mm-hmm. which is extremely helpful. Again, given the example that we showed um, or that we have right now about um, – a Hungarian-based organization, or we have another organization we're working with that's in Germany, mm-hmm. and you want that partner, if if the bulk of your operations are in these other countries, right, you want a partner who's really based in those countries. That's right. Now, if you have a, you know, again, a global deployment, and um, you choose a North American partner, but most of your operations are in other places, you're, you're constantly kind of like, you guys don't really understand what we're saying. We just use different phrases, right? I, I think with one of our UK implementations, um, it took them a while to change to some of the NetSuite nomenclature, which mm. was just different. Like mm-hmm. I said, payables was called something different. Trade payables, I think it was, which is also what distributors say. I can't hmm. remember exactly what the phrase was, but it was just different. The right? lost in translation. Lost right? in translation. Mm-hmm. And man, when you're doing mm-hmm. ERP, you're already losing in translation, mm-hmm. right? Like from the first day, the client's subject matter expert says, this is how I want my accounting done. No and, matter and the language. No right? matter the yeah. language. And then mm-hmm. the consultant's like, uh, okay, wait a minute. You didn't really understand what I just said there. Now you yes. bring in language and that's a big deal, right? And multiple so, languages multiple at that languages. sometimes. Yeah. That's right. Talk mm-hmm. about lost in translation, just mm-hmm. like you said. So partnerships, super key. And it's I think there's an ecosystem there that really does support those needs. Yeah. From your experience working with Unit 4 and um, our clients, how does and why does Unit 4 tend to win over their competitors? Yeah, great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm um, thinking of a couple deals of recent that um, um, Unit 4 is, they're, again, kind of renowned in certain verticals for sure, like mm-hmm. we talked about government. Mm-hmm. And when you see that they get a good win in a certain area, then I think other organizations kind of see that as well. It becomes more of an accepted solution. Mm-hmm. So I do think this more kind of an international flair that this solution really has, I think, is a big deal. 
Um, they've got very large organizations that um, um, and cities and, and uh, counties and provinces that they're working with. Um, it's and, and then also even on kind of like the nonprofit side as well, you know, a global nonprofit mm-hmm. looks to this solution and sees a lot of what's there that's supported, whereas some of the other nonprofit solutions just don't have that that global mm-hmm. kind of presence to it. So right, right. good feature functionality, good experience, um, you know, good customer base. Mm-hmm. And it and it's 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 all the right reasons, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's not right. because, you know, they're Salespeople are the prettiest. They might be. I'm not saying that they're not. Um, but what I am saying is the software capability is really good in their area. And I think they focus in the areas that they do really well. Yeah. What about their ownership structure? Does that tend to impact um, their offerings or the service they provide to clients? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I think um, from from what we've seen about Unit Four, the the ownership structure has changed over mm-hmm. the years. But I think even as recent as what twenty twenty one here on my notes. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> um, we appreciate um, the research. We very much appreciate it. We <laughs> yes. want to get this stuff right as always, Juliet. Yeah, that's right. If we don't say the right thing, tell us. That's our disclaimer. That's our disclaimer. We welcome it. But we always, always, always want to do the best we can here. Um, so, so they're purchased by a um, a firm, and I think maybe there was another firm that came in alongside a private equity firm called TA Associates, mm. and and that's a that's an interesting organization. They have um, as as a uh, global private equity firm, um, they have had many holdings in enterprise software before. Um, and have really taken organizations, you know, invested in them, made them stronger, able to do a liquidity event or transition them to another partner or or another private equity firm or whatever. So, you know, there's I think the investment that the organization has gotten has been good for them, mm. and it's it, it is in the, in our world when when we're talking about the vendors that we're talking about. Right. These are very viable organizations. Unifor is very viable. I mean, the sales and if you look at the reach across the world, you know, we've got, you know, almost uh, 300 and like maybe 400 million in revenue. Oh, boy. You know, lots of recurring revenue, lots of big customers behind it. Being private equity backed, they're getting a lot of investment. It is interesting to look at. So what does happen next Right. Mm-hmm. Um, several other vendors we've talked about this summer are, are sort of similar. Right. What happens next with these private equity mm-hmm. owned firms? Right. Um, uh, one of the most recent ones that um, made the biggest transition. I mean, NetSuite was one, but Infor was another mm-hmm. right. where their their ownership, you could tell it was a little bit of kind of a uh, not temporary, but it was like a stage. Mm. And they're getting and I, I see an interim to help them grow and, and be better, and then perfect. like that's setting exactly them right. up. To you should be acquired. put that in their playbook. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And I and I get the sense that that's it. That there's there's really we're, we've got a great relationship with Unit Four. Um, we're going to actually do some some podcasts and stuff mm-hmm. with them. We really right. like them a lot. We're doing it with other vendors, but um, but but the bottom line is is that. Um, we're seeing a lot of growth and excitement. We've seen some really key people in the industry go to that organization. And so I think mm-hmm. they're, they're getting the cloud strategy set. They're getting their marketing set. They're getting their global presence set so that they can yeah. really grow. And then, you know, something will happen, right. Right? right? Which will be interesting to see. Right. So, well, Sean, thank you for um, 
always sharing your experiences and your knowledge with us. And we'll catch you on another podcast where we'll continue our vendor series. Perfect. All right. Thank you as always, Julia. And good questions. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We'll be sure to continue. Um, We will continue to um, offer this multi-part series um, to help you advance your ERP knowledge and allow you to take advantage of over a century of combined ERP experience from our expert consultants here at EAG. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.